Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, not a bad uh, weather forecast, uh, thank God, even though predictions are that it's to get, we've had a very cold spell that we're going through at the moment, but it's meant to get even colder next week. So because of that, we've asked Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather to join us and he'll be joining us later on on the programme just to cast his eye uh, over what he's seeing and what we can expect. But certainly not as it's cold out there, but certainly not as chilly as it has been on uh, previous days. I mean, I think nearly every day this week I came to work and it was minus one or minus two degrees. It's hovering around three degrees uh, at the moment. But, you know, don't let that fool you because there was some frost uh, overnight and footpaths or areas where the sun doesn't get in. They can be quite slippy indeed. So please, please be careful. John Paul's taking your calls. 0818 103 103. Texts and uh, WhatsApp's also available at 086 to 103 103. And coincidentally, there's some really some texts and WhatsApps in uh, to do with post and our postal uh, service. Firstly, Sheila wants to know, has anybody else noticed that letters from England are not arriving? Sheila has been waiting for more than six weeks for two letters that were posted from England. They weren't recorded so she's unable to track them. Now, she says she gets regular parcels from as far away as China with no problems. All of them arri- arrives, arrive. But she says she's having huge problems with post coming out of the UK. I'm surprised to hear that it's letters. I know there can be issues with parcels because, of course, with the Brexit and all of that and... Uh, England's are outside now of the EU. So therefore, there's a lot of form filling has to be done, as anyone will know, if you send any kind of a package to a loved one in England in the run up to Christmas, you will know what they, in particular, what the staff at the post office have to do. You're standing there waiting while they're typing everything into all these different forms. And that's the only way a parcel can be, can be sent. There has been issues with parcels then coming the other way, coming from the UK into Ireland in that 
not everyone in the UK seems to be made aware of all the forms that have to be filled in in order to post to Ireland. But I was unaware that it was affecting letters. Now, having said that, when I was taking down all my Christmas cards and I was going through my Christmas cards and I realised there was one Christmas card in particular from friends of ours in England who always send Christmas cards. It's not like that we would suddenly have been forgotten uh, by them. And a card hasn't arrived this year. And you you start thinking, oh, God, hope everything is okay." And you don't want to sort of reach out and say, did you not send a Christmas card this year? And I'm thinking maybe it's something to do with the postal service. So I could be technically I could be with you, Sheila, in that I'm waiting on one one letter. But I wouldn't know for sure, whereas you know for sure these two letters were posted and waiting more than six weeks seems very, very excessive indeed. It would lead me to believe have they got lost somewhere in uh, the system. So if anybody else can tell Sheila waiting on letters, not so much parcels now, we're talking about letters from the UK. And then Barbara was on to us earlier. She's really disappointed to hear Barry's running this on our news uh, this morning that the price of postage stamps are to go up in this country. She felt that this Christmas she received less Christmas cards. And she said she sent her typical amount of Christmas cards and she did find it expensive when she went to the post office to post them all. But she said she didn't get a return Christmas card from everyone that she sent a card to and she's thinking that people already were decided decided to cut back. Now, it could have been absolutely to do with the cost of living crisis. They decided to cut back on the amount of Christmas cards they were actually posting this year. And she said rather than it being the cost of the cards, she reckons it was probably to do with the cost of the stamps. And as you would have heard Barry say this morning, the national stamps, so this is a stamp for posting anywhere in Ireland. It's going to go up by five cent and it is from the start of February, which means if you're posting a letter anywhere in the country from February 1st, it'll cost you one euro 40. Now, there isn't going to be an increase in the price for an international uh, letter. So if you're posting to the UK or anywhere else abroad, it's going to be the same price. And the national digital stamp, which I have to say, I haven't used any of these digital stamps uh, yet. They will remain the same. Although the price of large envelopes and registered post, all of those going up on Thursday, the 1st of February. Now, all existing stamps that are marked with N, N is for national, are marked with the W. A W is the worldwide mark. R, if you have a stamp with a specific euro denomination, they will remain valid and you can use them after the 1st of February. So if you buy any stamps or you might have some stamps left over from, say, when you were buying the book of stamps for your Christmas cards, you might have had some left over. You will be able to use those once the price of a stamp increases. Increases. And Post said that the new increases are ref- reflects a, si- a 6% rise in the cost last year. Now they're saying it's down to sustained transport, fuel and energy inflation. Even though I thought, you know, transport costs are coming down, petrol and diesel prices are coming down. Are we not hearing the fuel and energy prices while still very high, except they're very high, but are they not coming down uh, slightly anyway? I'm supposed to say they're battling with all of those uh, prices. So the five cent increase in the price of a national stamp, what does that work out at? It's a 3.7% increase. Now, if you look at the latest rate of inflation, it's just below that. The rate of, the last uh, rate of inflation that we heard about came in at 39 so it's just under the rate of inflation. And POS say that they're committed to providing a top quality, sustainable, next day service to the door for all customers. And that's just despite an increasing number of European countries who've started reducing letter delivery uh, 
quality or frequency. Many countries now across Europe, you'll only get post one or two days a week. Now, that's got a lot to do with there is a falling letter volumes as well. And we all know and we we were only discussing that on the programme, the art of penmanship and the art of writing letters uh, to people has very much died off. I mean, people now communicate by text, by text message or by phone or by email. But very few people sit down and write uh, letters. But there will always be a need for a postal service. But a lot of the European countries, what they now do is just one or two days a week, you're going to get delivery on post. Haven't gone down that uh, route. Not to say that it is something that will happen in the future. Uh, They still uh, deliver Monday through to Friday. And they do their very best to guarantee a next day delivery. And I have to say, overall, the Aaron Post service for posting letters here in Ireland is fantastic. I don't know how many times I've posted something to um, family members or to friends around the country and it always arrives uh, the next day. I mean, we do have a good next day uh, delivery service. So the average price, then when you compare the price of our stamps to how they compare across the EU, and let's put the United Kingdom into it as well, the average price across the EU and the UK is €1.73 whereas with the increase we'll be at €1.40 so we are below it uh, with Ampost adding that the standard stamp price remains below the average EU EU tariff for a comparable quality next day delivery service. They say they've made every effort to minimise the necessary price increase and they say they're doing that by spreading it across all of their products and uh, services. Now on post say that the impact on small and medium enterprises and personal customers, they reckon it could be alleviated through discounts and they also will have regular price promotions that they'll operate throughout the year. And for example, coming up to Valentine's Day they always do a kind of a special offer on their love stamps you can get 10 of them and and they would be cheaper than normal but they are continuing with some of the discounts that are already there for example you can get a 10 stamp booklet obviously has 10 stamps in it you can get that for €13.50 so if you buy that it means your stamp will work out at €1.35 so that will if you buy in 10s it will completely knock off the extra 5 cent uh, increase and obviously for businesses then they can buy things like 100 stamps in a box which works out for businesses at €1.30 which is about a a 10% uh, reduction and that's for small and medium businesses and they're the ones that really now you know Barbara is saying for the personal customer it's they're going to be an increase but you'd have to think of the small and medium enterprises and the businesses who are struggling already because everything has gone up and now suddenly they're faced with the price of stamps is going to go up as well but kudos to Ampost and clap pat on the back they are and it is great to hear that they are continuing what they call the Ampost community focus supports now what is the Ampost community focus supports that includes free postage up to 1kg to all nursing home and care homes so if you've got a loved one in a nursing home or a care home and you want to send granny or granddad or mam or dad a little bit of a package as long as it's under 1kg you can bring that along to the post office and once the address is to whatever, Mrs. Joe Bloggs, uh, inside in, uh, or Mr. Joe Bloggs, inside in a nursing home. It's free. And they started that during COVID. And I didn't realise they've continued it, but they have. And they also have a free newspaper delivery for older customers. And they say they're going to continue that in 2024. So they are keeping up. There are nice things that they're doing, but they're saying they have no other choice. Everything's gone up. Transport cost has gone up. Fuel has gone up. Energy has gone up. And they say because of that, a stamp will now rise by 5 
five cent from the first of uh, February, and obviously the reg- they say the registered post uh, as well. So your thoughts on that? Did you receive less Christmas cards this year? Do you think it could be anything to do with the cost of stamps? Or flip it over. Did you send less Christmas cards? Did you make a conscious decision to buy less cards so therefore you'd have to buy less stamps? Did the cost of living, has the cost of living affected the amount of Christmas cards we ha- we received this year? Any motorists or anybody planning on driving in the Bandon uh, area? We're getting reports in of a lot of muck on the road in Upper Convent Hill in Bandon. Now the reason for it is building work is going on in the area at the moment and we've had some callers already this morning just to... Uh, uh, warn motorists to take care if particularly if you're travelling from Bandon to Newcestown because there's a lot of muck on the road and if you come across a lot of muck like that it can make the road very very slippy so please drive with care on stamps Stephen and Mallow hi, hi morning Patricia I sent Christmas cards to the UK and they didn't arrive they took about two weeks later to arrive is the problem with the Irish post side or the Royal Mail side I would be saying the Royal Mail side, uh, Stephen, because I know certainly when I've ever had to look at anything that has got delayed, it always makes it out of Ireland and then the delay is in the other country. So I don't think it's the the Irish, uh, the on-post side. It seems to be the Royal Mail and the Royal Mail at the moment with that fantastic programme that was broadcast by ITV and Virgin Media showed it. Uh, Mr Bates versus uh, the post office are having a really bad time. The post office service are in the UK at the moment. Anyway, Stephen says, it's on post trying to stop people from sending stamps uh, or cards with the cost of them. It's gone absolutely uh, crazy. But Stephen says he will continue to send cards and letters as well. But he's wondering, are on post trying to stop people? Uh, well, no, they'll say they'll say that they're trying to keep up a good quality service and that they really have no choice uh, except to put up the prices because everything is going up uh, for them. Claire says, Patricia, thank you for your text, Stephen. Claire says, no issue, Patricia, with a post to from the UK but I'm sick to the teeth of posting birthday and Christmas cards to Australia and they never arrive. My sister posts them from the UK to Australia and they arrive no problem but my cards from Ireland never get their cards. Uh, Claire, this was the first Christmas in a long while I sent a parcel to Australia and it arrived very, very quickly I was delighted to say I've had nightmares with parcels in particular and last year I did a very stupid thing of I sent cash in the post in a card to Australia. Lo and behold, it never arrived uh, either. So yeah, Australia is a tricky, tricky country when you're trying to get anything uh, delivered and particularly delivered on time. Catherine says, next day delivery from post, Patricia, I hear you say. Well, I posted a letter to my niece in Kerry. I posted it early last Wednesday and to date, we're over a week on, she hasn't received it yet. Surprised to hear that, uh, Catherine. I always find next day delivery with um, um, post. They will always be the rogue ones. I, I, I don't know what's happened uh, to your letter but it, it's unusual that you will be waiting a week for a letter to arrive in Ireland. And hi Patricia I definitely received less cards this year so I made the decision to purchase nursing hours for the Jack and Jill Foundation to the value of what I would have spent on cards and uh, stamps. Well, wow. So you opted not to send 
as many cards this year. And I do, and I know I have a, a really good friend of mine in Dublin who for a number of years was doing that in lieu of Christmas cards and the, the cost of the cards and the cost of the stamps. She made donations to a charity and you picked a great uh, charity buying purchasing nursing hours for the Jack and Jill Foundation. So well done. It's been announced that nursing home residents will be able to keep all income raised from renting their homes as of next month. But the junior Minister for Health with responsibility for older people, Mary Butler, she's concerned that the move could result in people being prematurely admitted into nursing home care. So how do those that advocate on behalf of older people feel? Well, Anne Dempsey of Senior Line uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. And a happy new year to you. Thank you. Always great to talk to you. Now, if you rented out your home while you're in a nursing home at the moment, it affects what you pay to the provider. Do do you believe that 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 is the main reason that stops people renting out their homes? I think that the main reason the people don't rent out, well, varying kind of reasons if in a nursing home, your own home may be used by your other members of your family, by somebody who might, may have particular needs. I suppose I feel, Patricia, that the um, Mary Butler's point about this will lead to premature um, launch into nursing homes, it's kind of, it's a bit sad if the house is seen as a as a family asset that the older person is then seen as disposable. It's 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 not a good look at all. Sure it isn't. Absolutely not. Abs- absolutely uh, not. Um, you, you know, and would, at Senior Line, because obviously Senior Line, older people ring up to talk about their worries and concerns. Would you hear from people who are concerned that their family are sort of trying to push them into a nursing home? We would. Now, I suppose there's two sides to it, Patricia. We do hear from families who there's ongoing conflict in the family and things are not good and there could be um, rows, there could be bullying, there could be more than a tinge of elder abuse. I mean, that's an ongoing piece in senior line and we're delighted that we're there to support the person in that kind of situation. But I suppose the other side of that is that there are legitimate reasons for an older person might need uh, more care than the family can provide. I mean, I think we have to be fair about this. You know, the person might be on their own. The family's not so near. They're working full time. They know they can't give the care that's needed. Um, and and that the, any home care package is falling far short of what's needed. So there are legitimate reasons why even, you know, good families with the whole thing is, I think, with consultation, that things don't happen about the older person without the older person. Yeah, I mean, to me, the decision to go into a nursing home should ultimately be down to the older person themselves. Now, unless for whatever, maybe a medical reason, they're not capable of making that decision. But I mean, for someone who is capable of making the decision, the decision should be the older person's. Very much so. And if the, other than capacity, and there's all kinds of ways that capacity can be managed as well. There are people living in their own homes. And as we all know, people really prefer to age in place if they possibly can to live their indep- out as independently as possible in their own homes. So it's, we all know that. And that would be one of the reasons why Senior Line feels that we're kind of, uh, kind of helping to contribute to that p- pace of autonomy among older people. But um, there are people who you know can, can no longer do that and and that's that's the other side of that coin isn't it yeah and i suppose also you'll have people who go into nursing homes who firmly believe that they will one day return home and therefore yeah. they don't want their house 
to be rented out. Yeah. They want it available to them on the day that they go home. Very much so. And even if that will not be realised, it's so important to the kind of well-being and mental health of the older person that they feel it's there. Yeah. And, I, you know, and, and there's all kinds of reasons why it sh- should be there. So I do feel that, you know, I think one of the things that has emerged since the, the new legislation that while the there's a capacity to rent out your home. So many older people and families aren't doing that for the kind of reasons we're discussing that they want it there, that the family are living there, that it's a family, you know, value, it's a family place. So it, it's 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 not a black and white situation, I think. Yeah, and I'll be, you know, I'll be very surprised and I know this is one of the things that's been done to try to free up houses uh, for rent but I'll be very surprised to see if there's a slew of houses end up on the market but I suppose only uh, time will tell and as you've mentioned, mm. in an ideal world, people want to live out their days for as long as possible in their own homes. It's more exactly. home care packages. That's what the government needs to be focusing that's, on, isn't it? That's that's the whole issue. That's what we need. And we need, and that brings up the whole issue of home care and the fact that home care is still very unregulated, Patricia. And there's all the kind of capacity for, um, you know, things going wrong there. And, you know, we we know, you would know and I would know that so many people who work in home care, they're doing their best, but they're very poorly paid. Some of them are very poorly trained. I've had personal experience of that in the last while, knowing how very, very patchy and unsatisfactory that situation can be. So it's home care that we need much of the new emphasis to be placed, I feel. Okay. All right. I spoke with you uh, before uh, Christmas and we were talking about the fact that Senior Line was available uh, to people in the run up uh, to Christmas. Talk to me about Christmas and how Christmas and New Year went for your volunteers on uh, Senior Line. Well, First of all, we were open all over Christmas. Our volunteers were brilliant. We we got around to thanking them. We phoned up and there they were on duty all over St. Stephen's Day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day. So it was wonderful for us to know that that was happening. And I suppose the less slightly less, less wonderful side of it is that very difficult calls over Christmas. I was kind of looking back over all the calls, Patricia. And really, I think, as I think I might have said before, the Christmas makes everything more so. And if families that are managing are limping along the nuclear family or the extended family, when they come together in an enforced way over Christmas, things can come to the surface. And what we find was a lot of issues, a lot of family conflict issues arose over Christmas. We have them all documented and they don't read very happy reading, I'm afraid. Can you give us an example of some of the type of calls? Well, um, we had um, some of them are very long last week. We had a call from a lady in her 70s now. She had a baby, a crisis pregnancy many, many years ago and it's still held in the family as a kind of a place of shame and lack of forgiveness. Oh and my she, God. I in this know, day and age. I know. I know, I know. It's it's hard to believe, but she was very upset, and she we 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 were, were delighted that she did phone us. We demand uh, again a slightly different situation, again a, a a family situation where there's a lot of hurt been caused. He says it himself, his own behaviour over the years. He's now trying to make amends, and he's not being met. So he was very distressed on Christmas Day. You know, we have a woman 
um, who calls us very frequently. She's in a very controlling marriage and she was not in any way looking forward to Christmas and her fears were realised. It wasn't a good Christmas for her. So, like, it's just everything comes to a head at Christmas, you know, and, and, and this is what we were finding. So we were on the other way, on the other point of view, we were delighted to be there. One of the kind of really valuable aspects of a, of, of a phone line is that it gives such autonomy and such privacy and such confidentiality to our callers. So they know that they could phone us. You know, we don't see them. They only we only know what they tell us. So we know them of them very, very well at this yeah. stage. I mean, we, you know, we do know. But it's a great it's a great channel. It's a great kind of discreet, you know, private channel for people that they can lift the phone Christmas Day, any day, and we're there anything to tell us and they know that is held. I know we're discussing a fact here, but we're not discussing who we're talking about. It could be anybody, you know. So it's 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 a great um it's great for people to know that we are there and we are and Christmas Day as every day. Yeah, and that people are heard. Sometimes that's all that people need is to be is to be heard, listened to. Yeah, I mean, our, our our model of of operating model is a very kind of effective, empathetic listening, Patricia, where we give people time and we don't judge. We let them tell their story, whatever way they need. And then we would look together what they want to do. It's not it's not what we think should happen because it's their life, it's their story, it's their circumstances, their capacity. And we might look together what they need to do, you know, mm. and, and that and sometimes, you know, as I say, we can just we we support people over a kind of a time of crisis, and that could take a long time, weeks, months, and we're there, and things change and things evolve, and that's lovely when things come out the other end, and we feel, you know, things have moved on. Yeah, which is great. Okay, and just and very finally, a listener says, Patricia, tell Anne about the email you received yesterday. I'd be interested in her thoughts on it. This was an email that we got into the programme yesterday, Anne, from a daughter-in-law who was raising the issue of her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law retired uh, just before Christmas and over Christmas, the daughter-in-law and obviously this woman's son uh, asked the mother-in-law if she'd help out now that she's retired uh, with minding the children they're paying expensive childcare costs and they wanted her to mind the children two or three days a week. And this lady wrote to us because she said she was shocked when the mother-in-law turned around and said, point blank, no. She said, I raised my own kids years ago. She said, I look forward to my retirement. I want to relax and I want to take up new hobbies. And this lady wrote to us saying she feels her mother-in-law has been selfish. She said, or is it I'm the one who's been selfish in uh, asking her uh, to give up so much time. Now, I put it out yesterday as one of our dilemmas on the programme. I have to say the mm. majority of people backed the granny in this one and said she has mm. a right to her uh, retirement. And then I couldn't get over the number of grannies uh, and granddads who did contact us who say they feel forced into childminding and that it can be very stressful. I was just waiting for the last bit, Patricia, because <laughs> we get we get a lot of callers and they're like that. They love their children and their grandchildren dearly but they're caught in this bind now that they were looking forward to their retirement and suddenly now they're starting all over again and we would say at the very beginning when you're asked now your 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 caller was very strong and saying no 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 how about boundaries how about we'd love i'd love to be involved i'd love to help out i know it's costing an arm and a leg so how about if i have the children 
one morning a week or two mornings a week. Like there doesn't have to be either or. We could we could negotiate this. We have there's mutual rights, mutual responsibilities, and mutual love and care, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just I think it's wrong to automatically expect just because somebody's given up work full time that they're that they're then going to take on. Like a lot of people were saying, three days a week is is that's a nearly a full well, it's a part time job, but it's a it's a lot of commitment. Huge. Yeah. And say if you're, you're an older person and these you're minding very little people, you know, who run all over the place and you're after charging after them. The responsibility of that and taking them out and eyes in the back of your head, it's no mean feat. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Yep. So, okay. you know, I was, I, I was I interested in, in I was interested in, in your views. I thought <laughs> it would be, would be with a lot of our listeners on this one uh, saying, yeah. to, saying to the daughter-in-law, back off on this one. And fair dues to the mother-in-law who, who straight up said no. <laughs> Just, I think so. You, know. the, you, you take that the relationship is oh, yeah. though. I mean yeah. I'm sure there's a way like yeah. you know okay. how about compromise yeah alright listen pleasure as always to talk to you Anne thank you for that and uh, will you we'll, give out I will indeed I number 1-800-80-45-91 and uh, Senior Line is open from 10am to 10pm daily 1-800-80-45-91 pleasure as always Anne thank you for that thank you so good much good morning bye bye now Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie petition has been set up by residents in in Middleton and the wider East Cork area calling on Cork County Council to initiate immediate action on flood relief measures as some residents and businesses continue to face challenges from the aftermath of Storm Babette. To find out more, I'm joined by uh, Mona Strumsaw. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing your surname wrong, Mona. How do you pronounce your surname? It's Stromso. You're very close. Stromso. Stromso. A very good. Yes. That, that's that's not an Irish name, is it? No. Um, originally, it was Norwegian on my husband's side, but going back a couple of generations and anglicised a bit as well. Yeah. OK. Uh, Unusual yeah. name. Unusual name. It OK. Is. Now, it firstly, is. can you just outline the challenges that some people are still facing? It's now months. It's nearly three months after uh, Storm Babette. And what challenges are some people still facing? Well, Patricia, some people are still out of their homes. Um, they haven't received, um, if they've had insurance, they're still negotiating with the insurance about what they're covered for. And the same with the humanitarian aid grants. And similarly, for the businesses, they're in the same situation. Um, some people, the families are split up and they have to live with other family members. Other people that don't have anywhere to go are living in houses that are unhealthy. Uh, they're still damp. It wasn't just water. There was also wastewater went into some of the homes. Um, so we're talking sewers actually burst in some parts of Middleton. And there, so the, the challenges then were in order to get the, the funding from the government or from the insurance companies, there's obviously a lot of red tape filling in the forms. For the, and there were two different uh, systems, one for the residents and one for the businesses. So the residents were helped by the community welfare officers to fill in their forms, but they had to provide two estimates from builders. It was very difficult to get estimates at the time, as you can imagine, because there were so many people looking for them. And they had to provide an awful lot of other paperwork. But even when that was done, 
they are still waiting on assessors to come and many people have not received any payment. Oh, that's that's just shocking. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that is just uh, shocking. And of course, the big worry, I'm assuming, Mona, is any time we have any heavy rain forecast, you're, you're, yes. anyone who was flooded is in fear that the same thing could happen again because nothing's been put in place to prevent it happening again. Correct. And even um, at year end there, the last couple of weeks leading up to the end of year, the rain, as you know, was very, very heavy. And on New Year's Day, the levels of the rivers were rising again. And there was a real concern in East Cork that we were going to have another flood. Thankfully, we didn't. But yes, every time there's rain, people are, are afraid. The mental health, health issues around this are astronomical. Um, and there is no sense of urgency from the council or the government to put anything in place. We had a meeting um, in the Middleton Park Hotel, which was facilitated by the Chamber of Commerce and the Cork County Council, the OPW and Arup, who are the um, engineers involved, attended the meeting. And people were really disappointed coming away from it. They, we were told that this would not go for, the, the flood defence system will not go for planning permission until Q3 2025. And it's likely at least another nine years before there are any flood defence systems in place. Yeah, because now, any, any, town, any town that's had flood defence systems put in place will, will tell you how long the whole system takes from uh, mm-hmm. start to, to finish. Uh, OK, so that's the long term plan. But in the yes. short term, what, what, do you, what do you suggest that the council could do to, to try and alleviate some of the problems in the short term? There, there are actually plenty of short-term measures that they could take that are... Now, I'm not an engineer, but we have engineers that were in the room that night and that are in our group, and they put suggestions to the council, which were all sidelined, really. Um, so the, one of the first ones would be... the it, it is up to the council, each individual council, they can provide flood barriers to the residential and commercial properties paid for by the council. And this has been done in other areas around the country. Uh, There needs to be regular cleaning and maintenance of drains. That does not happen. There are bridges that collapsed and they need to be put back in place. Uh, There's leakage on the rivers on both sides of the Northern Relief Road, which spilled out onto the Mill Road. And that was one of the big areas of flooding there. Embankments can be reinforced. Um, short-term embankments can be done, uh, creative use of sandbags, natural defence uh, forces can be put in, systems can be put in place. There are lots of things. Yeah, so there are there meeting. are some solutions that could be put in place while you await that long-term flood defence yes. system that you absolutely so desperately uh, need. And it is also worth uh, pointing out, uh, Mona, uh, and I know it's something that you and others in the area worry about, the possibility of fatalities. I mean, if Storm Babette had happened in the dead of the night, let's be honest, you know, lives could have been lost. Lives could have been lost and we have plenty of stories and evidence of people being pulled out of the water on that day. Um, The force of the water was huge. So literally people were stuck and it happened so fast, Patricia. It was only minutes. Um, People were pulled out of rushing water. People had to be rescued from their homes. Uh, So definitely there if that happened at night, there would guaranteed have been a loss of life. 
is this what the council are waiting for? No, someone someone by by text and devastated by flooding here in Castle Martyr, three months on, still out of our house. And this is the second time that it's happened to us. It is a nightmare that continues every day, long after the flood water has abated and all the media has gone. I think people will be shocked. Thank you to that listener in Castle uh, Martyr. I think listeners will be shocked. I mean, it was the 18th of October that Storm Babette uh, happened. And, you know, here we are on the, the 11th of uh, January and to think that people weren't even in their homes uh, for Christmas is it's absolutely shocking Mona. That's right and I mean the day after the flood all the TDs showed up in Middleton they made promises Leo Varadkar said he would do everything in his power to help and make sure that the people were looked after and that's not the case Patricia that's not what has happened. Uh, people are still struggling to get help and the reason that some people are back in their homes and that some of the businesses are, are back up and running is due to the community spirit, people helping each other out, because really there isn't anything coming from government. Um, it's just the, you know, people like the Middleton Hub, um, they're a voluntary organisation in Middleton and they, they usually provide counselling and emotional support for people, but they became coordinators after the flood for people that needed support, um, supplies and donations were dropped there and they coordinated all of that. We had no help here from government to do that. And ah, that's really so, like Middleton Hub, but so, they, so disappointing uh, to hear that. It, 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 it really is. And we know there's been a lot of talk this week about climate uh, change and because of climate change, unfortunately, we can expect more of these flood events uh, into the uh, future. Listen, uh, Mona, we'll, we'll certainly keep in contact uh, with you and, and hope that the powers that be start listening and start doing uh, something, particularly in the short term. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Mona uh, Strumso, who is part of a group of residents and they've set up. um, I'll get John Paul to see if we can share that online uh, petition uh, calling on the council and calling on the powers that be to please do something to make sure that what happened with Storm Babette in October, that something like that uh, won't happen again, particularly while they're waiting on the long term flood defence systems, which realistically are about is about nine years away. That is too long to wait. We touched on how busy they were, how busy the volunteers were over Christmas and she was just talking about and highlighting some of the stories that some of their volunteers heard uh, over uh, Christmas and one of them was to do with a regular caller to a senior line who was in a very controlling marriage and uh, she'd absolutely been dreading Christmas and she had a really rough, rough Christmas because of her controlling uh, partner. That led a listener to say, Hi Trish, I'm 68 and I just spent my seventh Christmas on my own. Apart from having the flu, I had all of my usual nice little happy Christmas. Uh, I, I had my usual nice little happy Christmas. I did all of the usual traditions. And believe me, in my house, on my own, there was no bah humbug. Um, and I was able to please myself and do what I wanted to do. There was no family to please. There was no family to argue with and absolutely zero pressure. After St. Stephen's Day, I was back socialising again. It was one of the happiest Christmases I've ever had. And I imagine that woman who's living with the controlling partner can only dream of the day that she will get to spend a Christmas like that and you can do it very pleasantly and very happy and you can have it on your own. And I know coming up to Christmas when we were talking about people having lonely Christmases, it doesn't work for everyone. But I remember hearing from some listeners who said that they were doing what 
pleased them, what suited them and what suited some people was to be on their own and to have their own little traditions and as that listener said, nobody to argue with, nobody to go bah humbug, no rowing going on, no having to make sure something was ready at a certain time because somebody wanted their dinner on the table at two o'clock or whatever it was. Uh, So you can be very happy in your own company as well and then when Christmas was behind this listener, able to go out and socialise and meet up with friends and uh, family. So uh, well done you and go you. But it's not always the case when you're for this poor woman who's in a very, very controlling marriage. And I think the other one the senior line highlighted was the gentleman who has been trying to build up a relationship and make contact with his four adult children. Now, he admits that he has made mistakes uh, in the past, but he's getting on in life and he wants to sort of build all those bridges and mend all the fences and mend all the hurts, I suppose, as well. And he's been trying desperately to heal some of those hurts with his adult uh, children. But unfortunately, none of them want to hear from him. None of them are willing to accept his uh, apologies. And he contacted Senior Line over Christmas and he was very, very upset that here he was another Christmas on his own. And he had these four, uh, and I'm assuming four adult children, there's probably grandchildren uh, as well. There's so many dynamics, isn't there? It goes on uh, with families. It's uh, and you know it's what we spoke about before Christmas. Christmas can be a very very difficult time. Now we've been highlighting flooding and talking in particular and remembering Storm Babette last October and assuming that everyone was just getting back on with their lives and that everything was sorted out for the good people of Middleton and East Cork who were so devastated by the floods on the 18th of October. And it all happened so fast to them. Listen to this for. Uh, WhatsApp in to say, hi, Patricia, listening to you on the topic of flooding in Middleton. Well, we were one of those who were flooded along with so many others on the 18th of October. We had over three foot of water come into our house. Our home was a complete labour of love. We've both worked from the age of 15. We're now nearing our 40s. My husband has worked two jobs so that we could save for our mortgage. We were so proud and so lucky to be able to buy our forever home in 2015. We worked on our home since then to make it a place we were so proud of. Every job needed, we did it ourselves, from painting to levelling the garden to renovating the kitchen. We haven't received an insurance payout other than to be told we were underinsured. We have not received a penny from the government to help with repairs because, of course, that scheme is means-tested. Any savings we've had, which, by the way, was for potential IVF treatment, has now been put into making our house habitable. That's just heartbreaking. Three months on and we're living in the middle of a building site as we've no alternative but to stay in our house. Our walls need to be cut out from four foot down and re-slabbed and re-plastered. We have not had a kitchen sink or running water since early November. And worse than all of this, our home, our safe place, the place we celebrated our Christmas birthdays, our losses and our griefs have been taken from us and we cannot put any love back into it, never mind money, knowing that any rain or any possible flood could take it all away again. We haven't had any politicians come to our door. The focus has been very much on the local business community. I feel the residents have been forgotten. Isn't That's just utterly heartbroken. And I think to, you know, and I can see the sense of pride when you do a lot of the work yourself and in making this your forever home. 
and then getting to the stage of putting the savings away, getting on top of the mortgage, getting on top of anything that needs to be done in the house and then having difficulties, which a lot of people have difficulties uh, getting pregnant. So going down the route of IVF, which is really, really expensive uh, and the bit of money saved for the IVF is, is all gone now as well. That's just, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And the fact that you're underinsured, you know yourself, whatever you get from the insurance company, it's not going to be the uh, full amount because you're underinsured. And of course, you now know you'll never be able to get flood insurance again on the house. How it's just so unfair what we're asking uh, people to continue living like that, knowing that any time there's another flood, there is the possibility of the house being flooded again. Because we had the listener from Castle Martyr who's out of their home. They haven't, they, they haven't, they've been out of the home and out of the home now for Christmas as well. And it was the second time that their house was flooded so it was flooded once in the past got it all back together again for it all to flood uh, again it's cruel it is beyond uh, cruel my thoughts go out there's no name on that uh, text but my thought goes out uh, to that uh, family 0818103103 we've been talking about unpost and unpost increasing the price of stamps and that led to people talking about post over Christmas. Some people are still waiting on post over Christmas and the UK seems to be throwing up a few problems when it comes to a post. Breather was on to say she sent a parcel to London last year and she said didn't cost anything extra but this year when she sent a similar parcel for Christmas when it arrived with her family in London they had to pay £25 sterling. Breather's daughter-in-law was on the phone straight away and said you can stop sending those parcels uh, over as we have to now pay duty and VAT on them. And Ken who moved back to Ireland but lived in Leeds for a number of years said while the UK left the EU with Brexit it's uh, only since last year some stage during 2023 that they foot the real changes have come into play. So this Christmas, many families did have to pay to receive items due to the new measures in place. He says many businesses in the UK are extremely unhappy with their Brexit because of this. Now, I do know that the, the it, there is import duty on gifts into the UK, which seems crazy. If you're sending a gift, why would you be paying import uh, duty? Now, there is no duty charge for gifts worth £135 or uh, less. Uh, but you do have to pay VAT for on any gifts unless they're worth under £39. So the trick is that when you go to the post office and you're declaring what's inside in the package, the trick is to under estimate the value of it because I certainly sent parcels at uh, Christmas to the UK. Now, they were all under that £39 uh, sterling mark and I take it that was the reason that any parcel I sent, uh, certainly they didn't have to pay VAT or duty. So it's duty if it's over £135 and I don't know how much the parcels that the people sent were worth but it's the VAT. Uh, you have to pay VAT. I don't know how much the VAT uh, is but it, if the parcel's over £39 pounds sterling. So just make sure that when you're telling them how much it's worth, say it's worth less and then your family should get away without having to pay any duty or any VAT on the parcels arriving. It seems very unfair that there would be any kind of a tax or duty on a uh, gift. And a suggestion that I know we heard a lot of before Christmas, you could send vouchers, things like Amazon vouchers are a trick that I've done, certainly with family members in the UK. I just change the address on my Amazon account to the UK address and I send the presents that way so they go directly 
and, to, and usually with Amazon Prime, it's next day delivery. So you could you could go that way as well. You're saving the price of postage as well, which can be really, really expensive. 0818103103 on Christmas cards. And did people send a lot or a little amount of Christmas cards this year? Uh, morning, Patricia. Happy New Year. Many happy returns. The, on the cost of posting Christmas cards. Well, I sent very few Christmas cards this year. Made a conscious decision not to send that many Christmas cards. But what I did send was a lot of e-cards. E-cards are free. And a lot of them are animated. Yeah, and I got a few e-cards by email and they're lovely. They can be really, really sweet cards. Uh, they're also available free if you want to send an e-card for a birthday and an anniversary, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, Valentine's. So people might consider that if the cost of living is you really are struggling to send cards. There are e-cards available free of charge. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. C103 Jobs. Nazareth House in Mallow. They're currently recruiting healthcare assistants. You need to have FeedTech Level 5 in older persons care. CVs please to hr.mallow at nazarethcare.com. Dramina Community Play School. They've got a vacancy for an AIMS support worker with a minimum QQI Level 5 qualification. CVs please to Dramina Community Play School at gmail.com. Kingston Refrigeration in Dalmanway. They've got a vacancy for an office administrator. That's a 12-month contract. CVs, please, to email at kingstonmuller.ie. And O'Connor Builders in Kiskane. They're looking for an apprenticed carpenter. They're also looking for a labourer. 087-207-3415. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie Couples who are planning on getting married this year will be in the throes of organising their perfect uh, day. And here in this country, as anyone knows, weddings do not come cheap. Hannah Quinn Mulligan is a journalist who also happens to be a farmer has written a piece on the topic of wedding expenses in the Irish Independence Farming Supplement and she joins me with her views on this uh, topic. Uh, good morning to Hannah. Good morning, thanks for having me on. Well, you're, you're very welcome. Now, what spurred you to write this piece was a friend calling to you over Christmas who was just happened to be chatting about her own upcoming uh, wedding. What what part of the conversation caused you to choke on your mince pie, as you said? <laughs> <laughs> a, couple, a couple of parts, I guess, to give some context. I'm kind of at that stage where I'm 33 now and all of my friends are getting married. I, I you know, guess that stage in life, I think. Um, so the latest one to get married, who was planning on getting married in in August, uh, I think. <laughs> uh, she is spending a huge amount of money on her wedding and I just thought it was crazy. I mean, the average wedding in Ireland costs 32,500 euros and that's for like relatively small guest list or what people think is a small guest list of 100 people. And my friend is spending spending north of this. Um, and I just, I just want you know, in the context of, you know, it's so hard to buy a house. Um, it's so hard to, you know, if you're a farmer, if you're by trying to buy land, <laughs> it just, it just, I just felt it was ridiculous really to be spending anywhere near even the 32 and a half thousand uh, euro mark. Yeah. But and may, in, maybe, uh, yeah. And in your head, you're working out if I had 32 and a half thousand euro, 
you're thinking how many acres you could buy. <laughs> That's literally it. That's all I'm thinking about. Or, you know, I really want to extend part of the hay barn or I really want to get more solar panels on the farm sheds or, you know, really just basic, boring, practical stuff, I suppose. But I kind of think that's that's part of it. Like, I think money sometimes is for the boring stuff. And if you're in love or if you're going out with someone, I don't really know why you would have to invite half the county to a wedding but that maybe that's just me uh, Irish weddings and the auntie and the uncle who you barely even yes. know by name have got to be oh, invited that, 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 that's, that's it and even sometimes you know, you get invited by kind of friends of friends who haven't seen you in 10 years and you just kind of think look lad save the money I don't need to come to your wedding I'll I'll send you a gift I'll send you a card but please don't think that you have to have me um, because you know we used to be friends 10 years ago or something like that and um, you know, I'd much rather see young couples who are really struggling put it into a deposit on a house um, or something or like a company that they believe in or that they want they want to do or something for their future. Um, you know, not marriage is obviously a, a step you take for your future. But I just I just think we need to get away from this needing to have a big wedding idea. And like you said, the random auntie and uncle turning up who you haven't seen in 20 years and you don't particularly like anyway. Yeah. And you're spending all that money for what is a day out. I mean, that's that's what it is. And, and you know, as anyone who has had that big day out will know, it goes in the blink of an eye. That's it. And I mean, I've been to quite a few weddings in my time. I, mean, I have been a bridesmaid twice and I've been a flower girl once. You know, I've had um, through the decades already, I have had my fair share of, of weddings and some of them are great and they're brilliant. And other ones you're kind of thinking, Jeannie, is this going to last? <laughs> but I mean, actually, one of the best um, weddings I've been to was my own mother's wedding when she married my stepfather about Oh, about seven years ago. And she went to Italy and they had traveled around Italy together a year or two beforehand and stumbled across this little medieval village. And um, they invited about 15 people over. And in Italy, uh, the marriage is legally binding in France. If you're foreign, it's not, by the way, just in case anyone's wondering. So, yeah, they got married by the lo- local mayor in an old castle in this. And it was just fairly standard by their standards. But we were on this balcony overlooking an amazing vista across an Italian valley with vineyards and everything and um, then we went to a local restaurant and the food was sublime it was just oh yeah it was just lovely lovely and they, and, and they yeah. got they got their honeymoon here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And they got their holiday out of it as well at the same uh, time. That was that, that, well, actually, they, they saved some money on the wedding, so they went to Greece for the honeymoon afterwards. So. <laughs> well done to your mother. Now, um, you, you're also in your article, what, what really intrigued me was you reckon that farm families could actually make some money out of this wedding business. Explain your thought patterns there. Yeah, well, I guess we're all sort of looking at diversification. I mean, even on our own farm, we're looking at various kind of bits and things and things to do. But uh, I mean, there's huge money in hosting weddings, especially if you can have a private venue for people. So if you look at places like Canada, for example, you know, they have stricter regulations now like us on livestock numbers on farms. So they're looking at farm diversification and they're trying to encourage farmers to think maybe about hosting weddings because they have these beautiful big wooden barns as well, you know, slightly different setup to over here. So so um, there, I think there's tax incentives to host weddings on your farms, and but it's limited to about ten weddings per year, uh, depending on the state in Canada. But you know there are incentives there to do the ten weddings and to get some money for it. And if you did the sums on it, I mean, Jeannie, if you yeah, got money, if I got thirty, if, yeah. if I got thirty-two and a half grand for a weekend, if someone wanted the farm, they're more than welcome <laughs> to stick up some fairy lights in a hay barn. <laughs> Off they go. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, do any farms in Ireland host weddings? Have you heard of any that do it? Yeah, a couple of them do it. Uh, there's a there's a really nice um, venue called Huntington Castle, and their fa- their farmers they they breed pedigree Herefords like us. Actually, that's how I got to know them, and that's an amazing wedding venue. It's very small, very niche, and there's a couple of other ones as well. But I mean, it's it's quite small scale, and I think farmers are very nervous about it. And I think that goes down to you know the fact that not not a lot of research has been done into diversification and farm diversification, and that's a real pity because we are brilliant when we put our minds to it. I mean, look at the day dairy industry. But there isn't any real research there for farm diversification. And I think that's a stumbling block and it's going to become more of a, more apparent in the future as well. Yeah, so it's, it, it is, if people are thinking about it, it certainly is something it's, it's worth looking at um, for sure. Now, during your chat with your friend, it's a Catholic wedding that your friend is having, yeah. she had to do the, the pre-marriage courses that uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't realise that they were still in, in existence. Um, she raised some interesting points from the pre-marriage course. <laughs> yeah, my friend is a very matter-of-fact farmer's daughter. She comes from quite a big family. So they separated the boys and the girls in this marriage course and the girls went into one room and the instructor, the senior female instructor was saying, well, you know, what possibly could be any, you know, reasons for conflict or discord in a marriage? And there were things like, oh, you know, not not doing the ironing, you know, not doing the dishes, all this thing kind of thing. My friend sits back and just pipes up land. <laughs> Everyone was like, oh, what? <laughs> and she, but she was dead right because, you know, whether someone's marrying into a farm or someone has land or whatever it is, you know, it's becoming, a, it's, it's going a bit, bit of an issue and there's a lot of talk about the fact that prenuptial agreements aren't legally bi- binding and and uh, if you have a farm and unfortunately, if your marriage breaks down, you know, what ha- what happens? You know, do, does the person who married in, do they get half the farm? Does that, does that divide your livelihood in half? You know, what, what does it do exactly? Yeah, and it's a really tricky one. You know, when you're in the throes of everyone is loved up and you're all mm. getting ready for this big wedding that you're spending uh, over €32,500 on, it kind of can kill the romantic buzz to say, well, we need to talk about what will happen if something goes wrong in this marriage. But the reality is, while we don't have very high divorce rates in this country, marriages don't always work out. So that conversation does need to be had. 
Yeah, and I, I guess, I mean, there's different ways to, to look at it. You could look at it in that if both, you know, if someone was a solicitor and had their own company and uh, divorced, then the other party doesn't necessarily get half of their that, that's, that person's company. Yeah. Whereas if you're a farmer and you divorce, the other person potentially gets half of your fa- farm and that cuts your livelihood in half. So if you have a 100 acre profitable farm, you know, suddenly you have 50 acres. That's not so profitable. But then at the same time, there's this lot, I feel like, I mean, I'm a woman who owns land. I don't really think I'll ever be in this position, but there's a lot of negativity in this idea of a woman marrying into a farm. But I think, you know, that a woman can bring an awful lot to a farm, especially a young woman that hadn't been seen before, like those things we talked about diversification. I mean, I'm a journalist as well. And when I drive around to different farms, usually the person who's doing the diversifying and adding value to the business and thinking outside the box is the woman. Mm. So at the same time, you don't want to be going to you know, the bride to be and saying, oh, will you sign some sort of agreement, you know, that, that, you know, you won't sue us or you won't get half the farm? Because, I mean, what does that say to her about starting a new life on the farm or, you know, potentially if she has an off-farm job and she's contributing to the farm, especially in the west of Ireland, um, um, if you look at the revenue figures, it's usually always a spouse who's bringing in the steady income rather than the male farmer. Um, you know, what does that say to the woman getting involved? So yeah, it's, it's yeah. a tricky, it's it a tricky is. issue. It Maybe, absolutely yeah. is. And, yeah. and that whole thing about uh, prenuptial agreements being recognised in law, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know if we will ever come to a stage where it can be properly sorted out because, yeah, it, absolutely there's two sides uh, to that coin. And listen, Hannah, before I let you go, I was on your uh, website yesterday Tory Hill mm-hmm. House, which is just outside Croom, uh, I'm intrigued by it. three gen- three generations of women running it. So it's it's you, you, your mother, and your grandmother, is it? Yeah, that that's it. And we have um, pedigree Herefords, and we have uh, a couple of dairy cows. We have a micro dairy here, and uh, we ha- we're going to have butter and yogurt in a few weeks once the cows start calving and the milk starts being produced again. And we have duck eggs and hen eggs, and uh, planning on getting pigs as well. I really want to have some pigs outside. So we're we're busy, but it's like it's a fairly ancient spot. I mean, the house has been here since the 1700s. There's a monastery here since the 1500s. There's a ring fort, and I guess we're just my grandmother bought the place in the 1980s and. Just kind of proud to be part of it. It's it's lovely. It's an odd name, I know, but I the Tory bit comes from an old Irish word. I'm given to believe we don't have okay. any affiliation, oh, affiliation with to Boris Johnson okay. or David Cameron or anything. <laughs> I'm delighted to hear that. And uh, and you you produce raw milk. Is that in glass bottles? Yeah, it with the cream the on the bottle. top. Yeah, people oh. love it. Yeah, it's actually it's really hard. It's been hard because the cows have are on their winter ho- holidays now. The last co- the last kind of few months, so we haven't had any ourselves. And between us and the customers, I don't know who's more sorry to have lost it. But yeah, it's lovely. People love it, and they say it brings back you know childhood memories. Oh my of goodness, milk in glass bottles. And yeah, like you said, yeah. there's only like a quarter of a liter of cream on the top ah, of various times. Well done, so. well, well well done. Well, listen, yeah. continue. Good luck to uh, Tory Hill uh, House, and thank you for joining us on the program this morning. No bother at all. Thanks Good for morning me. to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Hannah Quinn Mulligan, who, as I say, she's a farmer herself, but she's also a, a journalist and writes with the Irish Independent, the Farming Supplement. Now, with Metairn extending its cold weather advisory for sharp to severe frost with icy patches and dense fog that's in place until 9am this Saturday morning, Alan O'Reilly of Carla Weather uh, joins me to share his views on what we can expect over the coming days and as we go into next week. Good morning to you, Alan. 
Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Now, we it wasn't as cold here in Cork this morning as it has been on other days, even though there was there was some frost. Can you explain why we're having this cold spell? What, what What's going on with our weather at the moment? Yes, so we have a high-pressure system that um, was basically a little bit north of uh, Ireland and was drawn in an easterly wind. But now it's bringing in the high pressure right over Ireland. So that easterly wind has eased off and we kind of have very much very little wind. Um, still a little bit of an easterly, but not much. But it's it's mixing in some less cold air, let's call it, rather than mild air. And that's what's bringing us kind of, I suppose, some of the cloud, but also not as cold. Now, under clear skies last night, it was cold, but the cloud acts as kind of an insulating blanket and it keeps us from getting too cold. So the, the, the temperatures didn't drop as low in most places last night, but a few spots did get down and there was some frost as well, as you said. Now, it's not going to be as cold the next couple of days, but it's still going to feel cool. I mean, temperatures are only going to get up to maybe six or seven degrees and they will drop back in the evening time. Um, so it will stay feeling cool for the next few days. But the good news is it's largely dry. It's a very odd light shower possible. A lot of cloud around tomorrow with some more sunny spells on Saturday. And especially on Sunday and Monday, we look to be heading into some brighter weather. But we have a northerly airflow moving down over the country Sunday into Monday. Now, coming from the north, so down in Cork and the south, it'll probably be Monday really before the cold starts to reach down. That's going to make it feel bitterly cold again, though, and that is going to bring back the frost and like temperatures dropping down to minus three, minus four, minus five degrees at night time. And how long do you expect that to last if it if it arrives here on Monday? Will it be there for a few days? Yeah, so it looks like it's likely going to last up until at least Friday. Oh. Um, it could last a little bit longer. It could last a little bit shorter, but I think it's pretty much going to stay until Friday. Now, at the moment, it looks largely dry, apart from showers coming into the north and the northwest. Maybe a few of those showers could make it further down the country. But at the moment, that's how it's looking now. The weather models have been showing a risk of a low-pressure system coming up from the south and possibly meeting that colder air. So some of the weather charts that some people were sharing in the last few days were showing some very heavy snowfall heading into probably Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, possibly in the south. The latest weather models keep that low-pressure system further south, so it keeps the rain away, turning into snow. But there is a risk that that could happen later next week, be it Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even Friday, so that's something to keep an eye out on because if we did see a low pressure system bumping up against that cold air, we could see some snowfall in the south. Yeah, because Ben says, would you ask Alan, do, do the temperatures need to rise in order for it to snow? No, so th- th- there's a kind of an old saying that it's too cold to snow. And where that comes from, generally we get our coldest temperatures when we have very settled weather, we have very clear skies and we get very cold temperatures especially at night time so very often people say it's too cold to snow but that doesn't mean that weather systems and little fronts can't move in and then give us some falls of snow clear off and, and then it comes very cold again but no it doesn't it doesn't need to rise definitely doesn't need to rise what we need to see is the colder air moving down and then we need to find some moisture somewhere because cold doesn't mean snow you can get cold and very dry and very often when we get an orderly spell like we're going to see next week it's the north of the country is the only place that really sees snow. 
But if one of those systems moves up and meets this, then we're looking at something similar to kind of the Storm Emma type event. But at the moment, we don't see anything um, as likely as that. Yeah, we did have, particularly down in West Cork, we were getting reports in of uh, some snow. I mean, a lot of it was just like a light dusting of snow, but there was some snow around this week. Oh, there was, yeah. Earlier in the week, there was there was, there was some showers hit and I got a lot of reports from, from uh, Cork and, and bits, of, bits of Waterford as well. Um, it was very light dust in the snow. But yeah, there were showers though that came from the easterly. So the, the easterly was just clipping the bottom of the country really and bringing in those snow showers. But as I say, we've lost, or we're losing the easterly now and we're heading more into northerly next week, which changes where the showers kind of feed into. But it, it's certainly going to be a cold week and it's going to be one that is not going to be good for the heating bills. So people will yeah. want to check their heat sources because we do look like we're staying in this cold spell. Um, at least up until Friday of next week. Yeah, and that also driving conditions can be uh, will be quite tricky, particularly in the early mornings. Yes, we had some really bad black ice in some parts earlier in the week as well in Cork, and there is a risk of some hard frost and some icy conditions. Now, if it stays largely dry, it's not too bad, but it only takes one or two little showers to cause a, a big problem for that. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be take your time, allow some extra time in the morning to defrost the car and, and your journey. Um, but hopefully, I know some people like me would love to see snow, but most people <laughs> wouldn't. So hopefully an orderly will bring some nice, bright, crisp, cold weather. And while it will be bitterly cold, at least the sun might shine. Yeah, and I was looking at uh, some of your uh, media posts uh, over the last uh, few days. And of course, lots of people uh, sending you on photographs and you're retweeting and reposting some of the photographs. There's been amazing skies at the moment, isn't there, with this with this kind of weather? Yeah, I mean, you can get you can get some really nice kind of nights and days when you get this nice settled cold. Like, it's far, far better than those storms and the wind and the rain that we saw coming across. Like, some of the night skies, especially in my own place, like the, you know, capturing the night skies looks amazing. Um, and I sh- we shared a, a photo from uh, Guggen Barrow there in, in Cork. I mean, the reflection of, of the, the water and the sky there was just amazing. So... Look, it's far, far better weather. It's not good for the heating bills, but it's far, far better weather than the wet and windy Atlantic bringing us low storms one after another. Yeah, and we were sick of the rain over Christmas and, and New Year. We're glad to see the back of it for sure. Listen, um, Alan, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Stay warm and in Carlo, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Take uh, care. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlo uh, Weather. So we're in for a, this cold spell uh, with us at least certainly across this weekend and well into next week. 0818 103103. Uh, just some of your texts uh, coming in. Hannah Quinn, uh, Hannah Quinn Mulligan, that uh, journalist who's also a farmer who joined us um, a little while ago. Somebody says, that lady Hannah is great. She's often on RTE's farming programmes on a Saturday morning uh, with her grandmother yeah because I was on her website on the Tory Hill House is the name of her farm outside of Croom I just think it was wonderful to see three generations of women it's her grandmother her mother and herself who run who do the farming and it's all organic and it's to, it was to see the glass milk bottles with the cream on top they do the unpasteurised uh, milk when they have milk available on their farm and I could almost taste it when I was looking at the bottle of uh, milk we all have memories well those of us of a certain vintage have memories of getting your milk from either the milkman delivering it or you got it from your local shop and there was always the fight as to when you'd open the milk who'd get the top that cream on the top if you're pouring it on your cornflakes or you're putting it into your coffee it really was gorgeous you just don't see that no more unless you're buying from an organic farm
man uh, like Hannah's one in Croom. 0818 103 103 on late delivery of post. Hi Patricia. I'm just after receiving a Christmas card from England. OK, uh, so it is possible that the one I'm missing that may still arrive. So that it does, it does look like there are some delays with posts coming out from England. And we'll put that down to the fact that maybe they were just very, very busy in the lead up to Christmas. And I was speaking with the senior line uh, earlier on with Anne Dempsey. And we were talking about nursing home care and, you know, the fear that some people might be pushed into nursing home care just so that Granny's house could be rented out. And then I mentioned to Anne about the email that we had in yesterday from the daughter-in-law who had asked the mother-in-law now that she's retired to look after the children and the mother-in-law point blank refused and said, no, sorry now here. I raised my own family. I worked once my children were of a certain age. I've now retired. I want to enjoy my retirement. I want to relax. I want to take up new hobbies. And part of those hobbies is not committing to looking after my grandchildren two or three days a week and the daughter-in-law was quite put out about that and that led to a flurry. Actually, I'll get to, I'll hopefully get to some more of the commentary that we did on that because we got so much of it in uh, yesterday. I didn't get to all of it and indeed some of it's still coming in. But here's, I suppose, the other side of the coin when it comes to, you know, this whole notion of not expecting older people the grannies and the grandparents not expecting them to look after the children. This is from a listener in West Cork uh, to say, in relation to the grandparents being expected to mind the grandchildren, we also have a lot of adult children who are expected to do all the minding of elderly parents, even when there are other parents around, but they're not expected to any of the minding. And if they're asked, they refuse. And the elderly parents then will say, oh, she'll leave it to the one who's doing the care they have nothing else to do. In some cases, emotional blackmail can be used by the elderly parent towards the adult child that is giving the primary care. So family carers are facing emotional, some family carers are facing emotional abuse from elderly parents, the elderly parents that they're actually looking after. But this issue is never ever highlighted. And that's from a West Cork listener. And I remember many years ago getting a a letter in from a listener who was one of, I think there were seven daughters. It was a big, big family. And because she was the only sister not to be married and not to have children, when the mother and father needed help and care to be looked after, the rest of the sibling group expected this daughter, because she wasn't married and didn't have children, to be the primary carer. And she thought it was really, really unfair. And I remember her letter, it was a handwritten letter many years ago, where she felt she was being emotionally blackmailed by her parents as well, saying, you can't leave us, you have to look after us, because if you don't look after us, we're going to end up in a nursing home and we don't want to end up in a nursing home. And there was a lot of emotional and psychological abuse. So yes, there is another side to that story as well. Patricia, just as a reminder to uh, motorists, that as well as dealing with frost and other winter driving conditions, please be aware that sur- slurry spreading has started in earnest. So please be careful, especially on back roads that haven't been treated. OK, so uh, if you live in a rural area, it brings with it its own problems as well. Thank you for that, uh, Dan. Now, a number of people 
people still reacting to our email yesterday from the daughter-in-law who had asked the mother-in-law who's recently retired if she'd consider looking after the grandchildren for two or three days a week now that she's no longer doing anything. She's retired from the full-time job because with the cost of childcare costs, uh, the couple want to reduce their costs and they thought the solution to it might be that granny would look after the kids uh, free for two or three days a week and they would be able to cut down then on the price that they're currently paying to their child uh, minder. Just to give you a sample of some more of the calls and comments and emails that we have received in. Hi Patricia, when I retired all I wanted to do was to spend time with my beautiful grandchild. I minded him as much as I could because I live a long enough journey away I wasn't able to do it on a daily basis. I look forward to seeing him and that's from Margaret who describes herself as a doting grandmother and I think that is the difference if it's your choice and you want to do it but I think the problem that arose from our listener was that it was you know put to granny that now that she's retired you have a lot of free time in your hands you know will you not now start minding the grandchildren and she just felt that you know I've retired I've worked hard all my life I want to take up new hobbies and I want to relax. And she didn't, I think, want the commitment of two or three days a week. It's very different, I think, like that when you choose uh, to actually do it. Uh, Mary was on by email, agrees with the mother-in-law. She's dead right to refuse. She needs to spend her retirement doing what she wants to do and not to be tied down to what is actually another job. Childminding is a full-time job. Melissa on email say we often hear sadly of those who don't get to enjoy retirement. Yet here we have a situation and where it seems they were watching the clock for this lady's retirement ready to pounce with a guilt trip to get her to mind the kids two or three days a week. In all fairness it sounds to me like a very unfair request. I really do hope she gets to enjoy her retirement because the stress of this would surely put a dampener on it. Yeah and that was Anne Dempsey of Senior Line is hoping that it doesn't cause any friction in the family, which I'm hoping it doesn't either. Hi, Patricia. would like to comment on asking the granny to mind the grandchildren. I feel it is a very individual thing. If a grandparent doesn't want to mind grandchildren, I would respect their choice. I asked my mother to do some childbinding for my two children years ago. She did help me out. She was great with them. She developed breast cancer, but still wanted to continue minding my children. Then I had more children and I stayed at home and gave up my job. But I often wondered, was the child minding simply too much for my mother? She had reared a big family herself. Somebody seeing it very much from both sides. Hi, Patricia. I think the word selfish that was used in that email is a bit, bit harsh regarding granny minding the grandchildren. I can understand what granny means. I'm retired and I look forward to doing my own thing, not wanting to take on any commitment, especially a commitment like minding grandchildren. But I do help out here and there if I'm available. After all, I spent 40 years raising my own family and working when they got old enough. So I think the daughter-in-law is really expecting too much. They should have their own childbinder, maybe come back on other things and you could save money that way. Don't always just be focusing on the childbinding as a way of saving money. Somebody else says babysitting is personally the baby's mother's job. 
Well, it can be the dads as well. And she should check out all those details before she commits to going back to work. I started helping out 15 years ago and I am lucky I can still do it. But I have to say it is a full time job. And I'm assuming that's coming in from a grandparent. And someone else says, jeepers, Patricia. Did Granny write that message and is reflecting on her sharp reply? Otherwise, the daughter-in-law needs a bit of a reality check. As the saying goes, you've made your bed. Now you need to lie in it. Kind regards. And that's from Maria. And then someone else says, mother-in-law is dead right. My mother was retired and was babysitting and she simply wasn't able for it. She was exhausted every night, but she was simply too afraid to say every, uh, to say anything. Well, that uh, we need to tell that woman to enjoy her retirement. And one final one. Oh, my God. Granny is dead right. When I retired some four years ago, my family said to me, no way would they ask me to childbind and that I should go off and enjoy my free time. Of course, I do babysit and I do it as a treat if the parents want a night away or if the children want to stay over if there's a wedding or an occasion. But to ask a granny to do it three days a week, that simply is a full-time job. Okay, that's just some more of the commentary that we got in. 0818 103 103. And then on, on post, this is on people having problems with the postal service and this was kicked off by the fact that on post have announced they're putting up the price of stamps and people were saying that they sent less Christmas cards at Christmas because they already felt stamps were expensive enough without an extra five cent going on it from the 1st of February but it led to people who were having problems with delays in getting items and items not being delivered with on post when they go out into another country and I'm I'm sticking by on post and I, I'm, I'm hoping and thinking that it's the problems are in the other countries rather than here. But here's one in anybody else having this uh, issue. Um, I just want to bring your attention to this. I have attached documents, but please don't call out my name. Thank you. I am waiting on a parcel from America. Now, the parcel was sent to me earlier in December. I received documentation from on post to say I would have to pay duty on this parcel coming from the States. And the duty was €15.15. As you can see from the documentation I've sent to you, I did pay that on the 3rd of January. I've emailed, but I'm getting no reply back from them. Has anybody else had a similar experience? You pay the duty that's owed on the parcel, but then hearing nothing back. And by the way, I've seen all the documentation. This isn't a scam. It's genuine duty that had to be paid to uh, on post. Uh, and by the way, the last email I sent was on the 9th of January. Where are we? That was two days ago. Yeah. OK, I don't know how long it takes. So we need to find out from others. If you received a parcel that duty, now not this, we know there's so many scams doing the rounds with paying duty, but this is genuine duty had to be paid on a parcel. In this case, it came from America. So the fact that you got the documentation from on post means it's in the country. It's somewhere in a sorting office, probably in Port Leash. Isn't that the main sorting uh, office? So it isn't that you're waiting on it coming from uh, the States. How long does somebody have to wait? Having paid the duty on the 3rd, uh, which is a week ago now, I would be I would be expecting you to be getting that parcel very soon. Uh, anyway, let's call it, let's put it out there and see has anybody else how long has anybody else waited? And then I would start give them until the end of the week, uh, which is tomorrow, and I'd start keep emailing them. Keep and, and I don't know if you can maybe if you pop into the post office, they might be able to give you a number that you could ring that might uh, help out. Uh, but keep emailing for sure. And on Middleton that we spoke about uh, earlier on with uh, Mona uh, talking to us about the devastation storm Babette 
almost three months ago and I didn't realise that there are still families out of their homes, businesses still haven't uh, reopened and people are still waiting on insurance money to pay out and it just really sounds like a, a nightmare. Hi Patricia, thank you for airing the plight of people in Middleton after the floods. The rest of the media platforms were concerned with the story for a week but soon forgot about them and it's not right to ignore the plight of our own. Indeed, I yeah, because there was a lot of media attention after Storm Babette and rightly so, rightly so because we saw the absolute devastation. I think most people assumed that it was all sorted out but it's certainly from the calls and the texts and listening to Mona, one of the residents talking to us this morning, it is anything but sorted out for, for a number of people. Hi Patricia, I just want to support Mona and her flood relief group. I also was one of the flood victims. Our home was absolutely destroyed. We're at present divided between two houses. We're very lucky to have family members that we can go and stay with. My daughters, one is doing junior cert, one is doing leaving cert, and this is really taking a toll on them. We were very lucky in that we had flood insurance on our house, but... As of yet, I've not received a settlement. People think that the flood is over, but the devastation left behind is simply unreal. No help coming this way. People need to sign the petition for the flood relief to get something done because we can't afford for something like this to uh, happen again. How right you are. And uh, I'm... Mona thankfully has sent me on a link and I'll get John Paul to see if he can put it up on uh, social media but for anybody else if you go to www.change.org that's where a lot of those petitions and uh, it's implement immediate flood protection measures in Middleton and all East Cork catchments but if you go on change.org and I'm sure if you look for uh, immediate flood protection measures for Middleton it will pop up but um, we really do hope that the powers that be listen to what is happening with the people in East Cork. It truly, truly is uh, shocking. 0818103103. We are looking for your pet questions, uh, please. You can text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Best of luck to everybody involved in the Ross Moore Variety Show. It is opening tonight and running until Saturday of this weekend. And you can, tickets are available from gr8events.ie and scroll to the Ross Moore Variety uh, Show. It is a huge fundraiser for Pat. Palliative Care, Cancer Connect, Kilmean Community Development Association and the local Kilmean GAA. The Carrigaline Alzheimer Cafe will be held this afternoon between 3 and 5 Carrigaline Family Support Centre. The guest speaker today is Angela Cronin from Alone who will discuss supports for people living at home. Kildallery Community Development, their weekly lotto draw is in the local community office this afternoon at 4. The jackpot €11,900. And please note that Clonakilty Community Care Thursday Night Club that has been cancelled for this evening. And this weekend is your last chance to enjoy Formoy's Panto, Woody at the OK Corral. It's at the Palace Theatre in Formoy this weekend and tickets also available from GR8 uh, events are directly 
from the Palace Theatre. And Clondraha Defibrillator Committee are holding a fundraising charades night this Saturday, 8 o'clock in the Tavern in Clondraha. Teams of four, 40 euro, all are welcome. A fun night guaranteed with music and food. If you'd like to pre-book a table, you can 87 2385112. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Make comments uh, coming uh, in. This is on older people being expected to be the full time child. Mind us. Hi, Patricia. Happy New Year. Many happy returns. I have a three year old little girl, and we have no free family childminders. I would never expect my parents or indeed my in-laws to give up their precious time. Life has never been so easy for us today and our parents grew up experiencing a lot of hardship and they have well earned their time off now that they've retired. Even when they were rearing us, life was much more difficult than it is today. The lady should be allowed to enjoy her well-earned retirement and she should be allowed to do it guilt-free. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are worried about that, that the granny now is going to be feeling very guilty about the fact that she turned down the uh, the job offer. Or it wasn't even a job, but the offer of minding uh, the children. Hi, I am a child minder and I am in my 50s. I have to admit it's a very hard job and it sometimes can be a very thankless job. And that's somebody who is a paid child minder. Now, a number of calls and comments coming in reacting to the listener who sent on all the documentation that she received from on post. It's a parcel coming from America. It was posted in December, early December. She got notification to say that there was duty or VAT, some kind of excise duties on it, which she paid €15.15. She has all of the receipts and documentation from on post, but it still hasn't arrived yet. She's emailing, but she's not hearing anything back. Okay, some advice around that. Breathe in matter, says Patricia, regarding on post and the payment of the VAT. I received notification on a similar package that was coming from Scotland. Now, my it was given a notification, but I was also giving a, a tracking number. So I knew my parcel didn't actually leave Glasgow until I had paid the VAT on the Irish side. I'm just wondering, could that be the case with the listener waiting on the parcel from America? Mine was delivered within a week once I had paid it. I, I would have thought it was the complete other way around. I thought it would have arrived in the country. Then they realised there's duty and then they hold it. But it's not. I didn't realise that. So if that is the case, Breda, then certainly our listener should be getting her parcel soon because she paid it on the 3rd, which is eight days ago. So she should be due to receive it fairly soon. Meg says, the lady with the parcel coming from America, what she needs to do is ring the Unpost Customs line. Now, Meg says, be prepared for a wait. It'll take about an hour before somebody answers it, but it's the only way to speak to somebody. Don't bother with the emails. It happened, the exact same thing happened with me with a UK parcel and I had paid it, but I kept getting sent a reminder telling me I needed to pay for the parcel, which I had paid. Now, when I subsequently did get through to somebody on the Unpost Customs line, they said, oops, it was a glitch and it hadn't been knocked off that I had paid, says uh, Meg. Now, I don't think that's the case here because she's not getting updated 
uh, texts, but there is at least somebody you can speak to. So the Ompost Customs line for our listener. Someone else says, having paid the duty, they replied straight away that the package would be released. My package was in the post office to be collected within two to three days. And this is from Stephanie. No issues at all. Now, I'm wondering if Stephanie's coming from America and is it different when it's coming from the UK? Because Breda says her parcel was stuck in Glasgow until she paid the, the duty. So two conflicting uh, stories there. But I think Meg's advice is probably the best to get on to on post customs line. And Anthony was on to say a friend of his posted a card to Anthony with scratch cards last week. He's never received it. And he posted a card before Christmas and the person only received it yesterday. So there are delays uh, with some. And I suppose it is the busiest time of the year as well. Thank you for that. 0818 103 103. And thank you to, there isn't a name on this, but thank you to a listener who contacted us. Remember yesterday I was, we were speaking about health insurance and the reason we were speaking about it was we've had so many calls and texts in from listeners who were shocked when their premium arrived for their health insurance this year. And it's gone up by much more than what people were expecting. So we had Dermot Good on from Total Health Cover, who was offering advice to people and saying to people, make sure you shop around. And inevitably, when we've Dermot on, we will always get somebody who will contact us afterwards to say, listened with great interest to Dermot Good. And I took his advice and I'm due for renewal and I did the work that needed to be done and lo and behold I've saved money. Well we've got just such a text in this morning. Listen to Dermot Good yesterday and I decided on a semi-private Inspire Plus scheme. I saved, wait for this, I'd love if we had a drum roll, €650 and by the way this plan includes dental cover which I'm assuming the other one didn't. That is incredible. And while Dermot, well done, and while Dermot is always saying to people to uh, shop around and I did mention this yesterday because because this survey was hot off the press yesterday. Seven out of ten people who have private health insurance cover have no plans to change their cover when their renewal comes in. It's a survey that's out from the health insurance regulator. It's despite the fact that there's been a slew of health insurance premium hikes in the last few months. So this survey that has just been published by the Health Insurance Authority, they're saying inertia was behind the reluctance to change plans or to switch providers. And they go through, similar to what Dermot spoke about yesterday, families could be facing an insure, a premium hike of up to €800 Euro a year if they decide to renew the same plan year on uh, year and if they just auto-renew. VHI and Leia, they both announced two price rises last year. Irish Life uh, went up at the start of this month but they also had two hikes last year and then the succession of rate rises announced in the past year means renewal costs now on some of the plans, not all of them, but on a lot of the plans have gone between 15 and 20%. 20% is a big, big jump and then in the past week it emerged that thousands of consumers Consumers in some of the best value health insurance plans, particularly some of the corporate ones, they're facing even more uh, increases because there was hikes that hadn't been publicly announced by the insurers. VHI, for example, they increased the cost of 12 of their corporate plans. They went up by 10% and that would have been on top of the other increases that were announced during the year. If you had 
a family, two adults and two kids on one of those plans. €480 is what people would be asked extra to pay. And of course, this is the time of the year. They reckon about a half a million of us are due to renew our cover in the first two weeks of uh, January. So the Health Insurance Authority, they do this consumer survey every year and they found there was a huge reluctance amongst consumers to switch health plan our provider and that's despite the fact that there were around 330 plans between the three main providers. I always ask like why do we need so many plans but anyway so the HIA survey found the majority of those with health cover did review the plan but then when it came to renewing, renewing 71% of people never switched and among those with health insurance the average length of time that somebody's had their policy is 20 years and the average length of time with the current provider is 50 years, 70% of no plans to change their cover. Quarter of people with health insurance are over 65. People over the age of 55 were paying significantly more for their cover than younger people because these are the ones who stick with the same policy over a longer period of time. And of course, as Dermot said yesterday, and the Health Insurance Authority is backing it up, you don't necessarily have to change the provider because a lot of people say, oh, I like the provider, I like VHI, I like healthcare, I like the way Irish Life have dealt with me. You can stay with that provider, but you can just switch between plans. That is always an option for you. And actually the HIA, they have a really good comparison tool on their website for people to check out. If you go on to hia.ie and if you you can put in the name of the plan you're currently on and then you could compare it against other plans with your same company or other plans with some of the other companies and they'll, up on the screen in front of you, they compare the prices but they also compare what's covered and not covered and it's a really, really good tool. I think I always go onto the HIA and do that comparison before I ring my health insurer because at least then you've got some of the knowledge, you've got some of the names of some of the plans that you might be able to suggest to the person on the other end of the line. And cost savings remain the main reason obviously for uh, switching health insurance and that's obviously then followed by uh, people think of the level of uh, cover or the services they're going to be provided with. 15% of people said they, they would find it very difficult to change health insurance. Now I'm quite happy with that because that means 85% of people say that they don't find it challenging. Yet the reason citing for not changing cover included being happy with your current provider are believing that the cost savings would not be enough to entice you uh, to switch. However, 44% of people acknowledged it would be dif- it's difficult to understand how health insurance works and the terminology that's used and the fact that there are 330 different plans. The mind absolutely uh, boggles. But certainly I think this year a lot of people will start to realise there are big savings to be made by either switching provider or switching to a different plan with your current provider. Darren in Mornabi was uh, listening to me talk about the number of people who don't switch health insurance providers, even though this year more than ever is the reason to do it because premiums have gone so high. Darren says, but one of the reasons that people don't change health insurance, is it because when you take out a new policy, then you may not be fully covered because the company will say you're not covered for a pre-existing condition that you would have been covered 
for before if you didn't change. No, they can't do that anymore. You go if you if you're in treatment. I know one of the examples we've used in, in the past that uh, that Dermot Good has used during during the past was somebody who was in the middle of cancer treatment and decided to change from one insurance provider to another, and they were fully uh, covered for their treatment. So no, they can't do that. There's been there's been a lot of changes on that, but uh, no, I mean if I mean if you uh, never had health insurance or you didn't have health insurance for a number of years and then you were diagnosed with a pre-existing illness and you took up health insurance then obviously you have to wait but if you're just switching from one to the other there's no wait times uh, at all. 0818 thank you for your text 0818 103 103 this actually this listener contacted us earlier in the week and I just didn't get a chance to mention it I'm glad that they've texted back again it's a West Cork listener is wondering is there any place where where he or she could donate trophies I've a large collection of trophies and I'd love to find a place that would use them. So does anybody know any club or organisation that would take on trophies and then they could be, you know, polished up and reused? We have the listener's details. Uh, the listener is in the West Cork uh, area, but I'm sure if somebody wanted the trophies, they would be willing to travel. So if anybody's looking for for trophies are you know of somebody looking for trophies can you let us know please 0818 Uh Hi Patricia I'm sick and tired of parents being taken advantage of sick and tired of parents taking advantage of grandparents when it comes to minding their children. The parents get huge benefits with regard to childcare. Look at the huge children's allowance, maternity, parental leave that is given that was never given to previous generations. My God, look back at some of the families that the grandparents raised. They had huge families many, many years ago. Of course, they didn't have access to contraception, etc. Good on that grandmother. It's a pity that more grandmothers are not like her and actually said no to the uh, person. 0818 uh, John Paul, continuing with your uh, calls. I want, oh, this came in by email just to give a mention to uh, this. It's, and I did, I did give a shout out to them. It's the wonderful gang who were involved with the Kilbritton tractor run, which is a huge, huge part of Christmas for people down in West Cork. Well, the organisers and Jim O'Mahony in particular says that despite the unfavourable weather, the spirits of those who attended the Kilbritton tractor run this year remained undaunted. So Jim says a heartfelt thank you to all of the drivers, to the stewards, to the spectators, to the sponsors who all created an unforgettable, more unforgettable memories during the 2023 Kilbritton tractor run. Jim wants to thank the old head Seven Heads Coast Guard and Garda Shikona. They obviously all had dealt with traffic management. A big thank you to Kilbritton Inns Josephine who provided shelter from the weather and a wonderful tasty breakfast. Jim said much appreciated. Also Campus Coffee for the hot drinks. But a big, big thank you to the communities of Kilbritton, Timaleague, Court Mac and Barry Rowe for their continued support and Jim says already looking forward to seeing you for the 2024 Kilbritton Tractor Run and I did see on social media some of the photographs from the events and it looked as I say the day weather wise wasn't great but there wasn't a lot great weather wise over Christmas but a big big turnout so well done one and all who was involved in the Kilbritton Tractor Run this year Hi Patricia I'm thinking about that mother-in-law the granny my mother used to say to us when we were all growing 
growing up that she was giving us her all, but she would not be childminding for her grandchildren into the future. So none of us ever asked her. She can be granny, paying visits to spoil her grandchildren rather than rearing them in local parentis. I have a suggestion for the mother-in-law. Perhaps she could ask her daughter-in-law to sign a quid pro pro quo agreement whereby for every year that she minds the children at home for her that the daughter-in-law will mind her, the granny, if in the future she herself is no longer capable of self-care. I'd say a suggestion like that would focus the daughter-in-law's mind on alternative child minding options. Okay, and somebody else is making the point why wasn't the father-in-law asked to do the babysitting? And also somebody says, why didn't the father of the child ask the mother? Why was it left to the daughter-in-law? Now, Mary uh, joins me on the comment uh, line, uh, who is a granny. Uh, good afternoon, Mary. Hi, now you, you're one happy of the grannies, and many happy returns. You're one of the grannies, and you do mind your grandchildren. I did, yeah, I do mind my. Well, I did mind my grandchildren, Patricia, and I was really over the moon about doing it. Um, I had four of them under five years, and and did you mind them full time? I did. Yes, I did, and I rear. I minded a granny, and we're farmers. So I'm listening to that granny and the daughter-in-law yeah. oh, the last two days. And I just can't understand, Patricia, how any granny could be so, you know, because grandchildren are newly alive to us. But but her her point is that she's worked full time and that she wants to enjoy her retirement, maybe take up new hobbies well, and doesn't want the commitment because it's a big commitment. Well, it is a big commitment, but... I was, a, I'm a farmer and yeah. farmer's wife and had, you know, and I I love my grandchildren and they really, I have a very understanding daughter because they run to me in the evening <laughs> and give me a hug first. Yeah. I have a great relation with my grandchildren. And do you think that's because you minded them oh, when they were yeah. younger? Yeah. Oh God, yes. Oh God, yes. The eldest is 20 now. And the youngest is sixteen, but oh my God, they run to me and they're Nana, I love you, uh, you know. And that, oh God, you know, people that are coming to me or whatever, hear me in in school and when I, I'm in town, they meet them in town and they don't know. Hello, Nana. Hello, Nana. I love you. Uh, yeah, people that's a lot. Can't it. understand it, you know. But I really and truly hear that granny I think oh god she must be very hard and do, do you remember when it started when you minded the first one was That's there right. a, was there a discussion about it or did you offer it there wasn't because my son was um, farming and okay. you know when his wife went back to work the baby came in the morning with my son and you know she was cocked up in a high chair and the next one came a year and um, a year and a day later, <laughs> and the other <laughs> came a year and three months later. So I tell you, it was a busy house. But look, I do it all over again, out from the bottom of my heart. Did you find it tiring? I didn't. Not you didn't. At all. No, not no, at all. not no. at all. No, no, no. Now listen, 
I, I really love, I love my pension. I get, and I get all the news, the discos, and all the things that no one else here, only me. <laughs> it's, and it, I'm always saying to any friends of mine when they have children, if yeah. you can develop a relationship and keep granny and granddad uh, oh, in, yeah. in the lives of children, and if that they learn at a young age to respect granny and granddad, they'll, they'll go on to respect other elderly people as, as, as they grow. That is quite true because I had the granny and granddad. Now I have buried my own husband Ah. and the children called. They talk about granddad every day. Ah, Like that now he was a lot in their their life. Yeah. And um, they they missed him so much. But I'm so lucky to have my grandchildren now. Oh, my God. That woman will... I think she'll regret it. I okay. don't know. Okay, it's good advice. It's it's Thank it's, it's a different so size. And and listen, it won't be long if yeah, and and in the coming years, I'm assuming there'll be the great grandchildren. Oh, there'll be great grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm sure they're on the million on the line. <laughs> well, yes. And happy new year, Patricia. Many happy great, returns. Great program. Thank you. And, and John thank you for that. Thank you for thank that. You bye bye. Much. All right, that bye. is the other side of the coin. There is a grandmother who absolutely adored looking after her her smallies and four under five. That was a busy, busy house. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Um, unfortunately, Jane, um, we're assuming she must have got called out to an emergency. That happens when. And it's a working vest that we use on the programme. Uh, but uh, fingers crossed she'll be back with us next week. So anyone who sent in a question, uh, we've made a note of them and we will uh, put those questions first to Jane uh, next week. So thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and uh, we will be back with you tomorrow morning for the final one another week. Nearly gone. Final one of the week tomorrow morning at 10. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie botox cosmetic out of botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information including boxed warning visit botoxcosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300 remember to ask for botox cosmetic by name To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.